0: Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning into this podcast. Behind me, up there, you may be able to see the statue of our patron saint, Bridget of Kildare. As part of our commitment to caring for our planet and changing our lifestyle, both as individuals and as a church, we're reconnecting with the Celtic Christian tradition that she represents and its respect for God's creation. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you and if you would like to donate to help support these online services you'll find details in the accompanying text. Now may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist today, which we're keeping as our annual Harvest Thanksgiving service. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with an opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Human sin disfigures the whole creation, which groans with eager longing for God's redemption. We confess our sins in penitence and faith. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Eternal God, you crown the year with your goodness, and you give us the fruits of the earth in their season. Grant that we may use them to your glory for the relief of those in need and for our own well being. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
1: Amen. A reading from the book Deuteronomy. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take heed, lest you forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I command you this day, Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built goodly houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. And you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as at this day. This is the word of the Lord.
2: From the letter to the Corinthians. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that you may always have enough of everything, and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, for the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints, but also overflows in many thanksgivings to God. Under the test of this service, You will glorify God by your obedience in acknowledging the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus told the people a parable, saying, The land of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, nor about your body, what you shall put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a cubit to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be of anxious mind. For all the nations of the world seek these things and your Father knows that you need them. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
0: In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's probably a sign of how old I'm getting, but I was reflecting the other day on how much attitudes have changed in relation to all kinds of things since my childhood. Indeed, it would be interesting to hear from any of you who are of a similar age to me to see if you share any of these perceptions or whether perhaps I was simply inhabiting some strange kind of bubble back in those days. Take, for example, the simple matter of our attitude to the food we eat. Back in the early 1960s, I can remember a time when highly processed foodstuffs, such as white sliced bread, white flour and white sugar, were all the rage on the grounds that they were believed actually to be better for you all those nasty natural impurities having been completely removed, leaving you with something pure and untainted to eat. Vegetables were frequently boiled to within an inch of their life. The notion of anything being al dente was completely alien, but of course in the process any vestigial nutritional value was effectively removed completely. And I can't help but associate those kinds of attitudes towards food with a more general attitude to life that I picked up somehow in the ether back in those days. Because despite the relative hardships of life compared with today, um, in many ways we were considerably worse off. I was born into a household that didn't own a fridge or or a television set and certainly didn't own a car, the general sense that I picked up about the world outside, even in those days, was that it was brimming with confidence about human progress in all kinds of spheres of life. I can remember we used to avidly watch each episode of the TV series Tomorrow's World, which kept us abreast of the latest breakthroughs in modern technology, Certainly the unspoken message that I seem to be picking up during my childhood was that the more that human beings could be in control of the world and its natural processes, the better life was going to be. It's almost as if the forces of creation were seen purely as a sort of enemy to be subdued as the human race steadily took over a full mastery of the planet which was its rightful place. Rulers of the universe, that kind of thing. Needless to say, that was not the whole picture by any means, and there was also a dark side to much of that, which at times could be quite terrible. I think back with absolute horror to the particularly gruesome practices of vivisection that were deemed perfectly acceptable in those days, with experiments designed, for example, to test the safety of cigarettes on humans by forcing dogs imprisoned in tiny crates to inhale vast amounts of cigarette smoke before dissecting them to inspect the damage on their lungs. What I find so disturbing about that now is the sheer arrogance of a human attitude that had so little respect for the integrity of other creatures within the animal kingdom. Because living creatures... ...seemed so often to be regarded as little more than tools to be exploited in whatever way we chose... ...so long as it was for the benefit of the human race or to satisfy its curiosity. And I'm not saying this out of naivety, by the way, because of course I myself have been a significant beneficiary... ...of medicines that were tested on animals before they were deemed to be safe enough to test on human beings... But nevertheless, there's something about that fundamental lack of respect for the created world and our unthinking abuse of the wonderful, precious gifts of God's creation, all that done in the interest of human advancement, that these days brings a chill to my soul. Alongside that, the longer I'm in ministry, the more I come to recognise that the Bible has so much wisdom to share on this as on so many other aspects of life. In saying that, I'm not descending in some kind of naive biblical literalism. On the contrary, one of my favourite quotes from one of the most significant contributors to New Testament scholarship in the modern era, the Irish-American John Dominic Crossan, goes as follows. He wrote this. My point is not that those ancient people told literal stories and we are now smart enough to take them symbolically, but that they told them symbolically, and we are now dumb enough to take them literally. Amen to that. Because the tragedy is that if people assume that you have to take the Bible absolutely literally, or not at all, those passages which are so obviously reflecting specific cultural attitudes of the day, lead such people to reject Scripture altogether, out of hand. But all of that is to miss the point, surely, because the Bible is profoundly true, but in ways that are not trivially literal, but rather ways that transcend time and culture. Because the Bible speaks to the fundamental reality of human nature, both the wonder and the folly of which human beings of every age are capable and therein lies its power and its wisdom and its timeless truth. Look at the biblical readings set for today, for example. Goodness me, do they reward careful reflection, particularly in relation to our abuse of the planet and the created world, which is having such cataclysmic results these days. First, we heard that extraordinary passage from Deuteronomy, in which basically the message was this. I'll summarise the gist for you. The Lord has brought the Israelites out of slavery into a rich and fertile land where they can eat their fill. But it is important that they remember to bless the Lord for the good land that he has given them, because, of course, what they are now enjoying is theirs as a divine gift, not their possession by right. So they must never forget that it was God who rescued them from slavery, And they must live in a way that reflects that recognition of the amazing gift that is theirs, both their liberation and the land that they now occupy. It is so true, isn't it, that when things go well for us, we are inclined to forget all about God. At which point, most significantly all in that Deuteronomy passage, note the closing sentence. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have got me this wealth. Oh my goodness me. That one insight reveals a truth that lies at the very heart of so much that has been wrong within our world and our culture and our attitude towards creation. When things go well for us, we so easily assume it's because we deserve them or have earned them. When things go badly, we either blame God or assume that there can't be a God at all. What is missing in that whole mindset is an underlying sense of gratitude. Gratitude for the goodness that is ours to enjoy as gift. And when we see it as a gift, we of necessity have to have the humility and respect for the rest of God's creation. And that recognition prevents us from regarding creation as a commodity to be exploited, rather than something for us to steward responsibly and respectfully. So, lesson number one. Receive the good things of life as gift. Have a grateful heart at all times. I promise you, it will transform your life and your relationship with God's wonderful and precious creation. But then set alongside that, our reading from St Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And note what it says about generosity. The more generous we are with what we have, the more we are the beneficiaries. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Again, there really is profound truth in that. Do we own our possessions or do they own us? There's an old saying that goes, if you really want to understand the true nature of generosity, look not to those who have much, but to those who have little. Because those who are wealthy are generally the least generous because they're too acutely aware of losing what they have, they cling to it. Or, if they do give things away, they give only what they feel they no longer need. That is not generosity. That's about ridding yourself of surplus, which is nothing of the sort. That is not generosity of any shape or form. And then finally, we have the parable from St. Luke, the classic tale of a man who does really well for himself, who has far more than he could possibly need. What does he do? He stores it all up. An aspiration that I'm sure many of us, if we're honest, would happily share. And yet God's response to that man is chilling. You fool, he says. This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the very things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. Being rich towards God is about generosity, gift, stewardship. Very different mindset. We so easily confuse the things that really matter in this life from the things that do not. We so easily assume that our first priority must always be attending to our own material needs, not only the needs we have in the immediate present, but might have at some point in the future. But if our priorities are essentially being shaped by fear, because that's what that is all about, anxiety, but suppose what if something dreadful happens? That's anxiety shaping our perception of the future and shaping our priorities. If that's the case, our priorities are going to be profoundly distorted, just as those in positions of authority and power so easily look only at what will earn them short-term electoral popularity heedless of the catastrophic long-term impact of their policies and we can get sucked into that if we're not very very careful the point about the parable of the lilies of the field is that they are just gloriously being there they delight in life they reflect god's glory they have no anxiety about the future nor would they benefit if they did They own nothing, but they share everything. And that is why they are truly free. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God We acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray.
3: Let us pray. High and holy God, robed in majesty, Lord of heaven and earth, we pray that you will bring justice, faith and salvation to all peoples. We pray especially at this time for the Holy Land. We pray for the leaders and the peoples of Israel and Gaza. We pray for the leaders of the nations. We continue to pray for Ukraine and Russia. And we ask that you would bring peace to all those areas of our world, where there is conflict. We pray for all those who work for peace in our world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You chose us in Christ to be your people and to be the temple of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you will fill your church with vision and hope. We pray for the leaders of all your holy churches and especially Justin and Stephen, our archbishops. Sarah our Bishop and Alison our Rector. In our cycle of prayer we pray today for the Anglican Church of Kenya. We pray for its primate and Archbishop Jackson Ole Sapit. Also for the church in Vaxjo in Sweden and for its Bishop Frederick Modeus. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayer. Your spirit enables us to cry, Abba, Father, affirms that we are fellow heirs with Christ and pleads for us in our weakness. We pray for all who are in need or distress. We remember especially all those in our parish community in this city and around the world who are in need. We pray for any others known to us. And we pray for all who suffer in body, in mind or in spirit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the baptism and birth of Jesus, you have opened heaven to us and enabled us to share in your glory the joy of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from before the world was made. We remember before you all the recently departed and those whose year's mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord. And let light perpetual shine upon them. May your whole church, living and departed, come to a joyful resurrection in your city of light. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father,
0: accept, accept these, prayers these prayers for, for the, the sake, sake of your Son. son our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The harvest of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The peace of the Lord be always with you. I yes. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, because you make us stewards of your creation. To praise you day by day for the marvels of your wisdom and power. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself, made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, We make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great
4: is the mystery of faith.
0: Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great High Priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine Majesty, renew us by your by your Spirit inspire us with your love and unite us in the body of your son jesus christ our lord through him and with him and in him in the unity of the holy spirit with all who stand before you in earth and heaven we worship you father almighty in songs of everlasting praise blessing and honor and glory and power be yours forever and ever For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, Let us pray. Lord of the Harvest, with joy we have offered thanksgiving for your love in creation and have shared in the bread and the wine of the kingdom. By your grace, plant within us a reverence for all that you have given us, and make us generous and wise stewards of the good things we enjoy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God, our Creator, who clothes the lilies and feeds the birds of the air, bestow on you his care and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.